Winston Churchill stood up at a commencement, late 1800s, looked at all the graduates. He glanced around and he said, never, never, never give up. And he paused for about 30 seconds, looked around at all the graduates. Said, never, never, never give up. And he sat down. Now you're thinking some elaborate speech, right? From some high dignitary to boost your morale as you graduate and get your diploma. And that's what he said. My brother Paul was right on, brother Chris was right on. Ashley was right on today. The Spirit of God is just talking to us this morning. So, like he says all through Revelation, do we have our ears? Are we listening to the Spirit? Are we listening to what he has to say to the people? I want to give you a picture that my brother took. He bought a home. He takes homes and he cleans them up and he sells them. That's kind of his new little thing now since he's retired, whatever that is. And so, he... Uh, um, but I want you to know that this, where we live, this place, this is not our home. But evidently, this person thought this was their home. And so that's just the outside of the house. Can you imagine what was inside the house? So it took him, I don't know how many different you know, things you get from the city, dumpsters that you put in, kept coming back. Philip, come back. And to clean up this mess. So it took some time until he finally cleaned it up. Hey, Corey, how you doing? And then it cleaned it up. And there's the very front part. And then now here's the last part finally cleaned up. See, the thing is, this person thought that this place was their home. They were stashing, storing, stocking. How many things do you have inside your closet? <clears throat> you close the door. I mean, we've all, we're all there. Well, as I was going through the study this week, we're going to look at this Revelation 8. And um, as I was going through reading this and looking at that, researching, and, and then even yesterday as I sat here for hours and asking the Lord what He wanted to say this morning, and then as I woke up this morning, I had this thought. Um, did you realize that the Lord hears every prayer and that the Lord will respond to every prayer? I'm thinking that this time in Revelation, which is called the tribulation, we looked at a couple weeks ago, we looked at the seals. As Jesus was sitting there, he starts opening the seals, and there's this wrath poured out upon earth. Of course, the church, we're not here. We're gone. Thank the Lord for that. But then there's these trumpets that come, and these angels are getting ready to sound in these trumpets, and there's more wrath that's poured out. And I'm just wondering, during this time period, this tribulation, we know it's a response from God upon the sin of the world. We know that's his response. He has to deal with it. 
But is it possible, is it possible that our prayers, that every one of our prayers, which we know the Lord's going to answer in some way, somehow, is it possible that it creates that response to where it has to be? Is it, is it speeding the Lord's return? Let's look at 2 Peter 3 before we head to Revelation 8. 2 Peter 3, 9 and following says this. And here was Beth reading from what? 1 Peter, talking about this is not our home. I'm thinking, okay, everybody's just right in sync today. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And I'm thinking, okay, what are elements? Well, the elements there, I was thinking like, you know, like the, the homes, cars, trees, buildings. No, elements here are like evil spirits, sinful nature, germs. Some of y'all are germaphobes. Corruption. Anything else that's corruptible will be what? Cleansed and gone. That's good. No more of that stuff you got to carry around. To clean your hands. You're good now. You're, you're, you're good. It's all cleansed by the fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to be holy and godly, have godly lives, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. I'm just wondering if our prayers, if every prayer mentioned since time began, if that isn't creating to where the Lord is going to respond and He responds in this fashion on this type of activity because the saints, He's responding to that. It's kind of like just a chapter or two back in Revelation when on that one seal, I think the fifth or sixth seal pops open, and those underneath the altar, those that have been martyred, they're saying, how long? How long? And the Lord's like, just hold on, here's a new robe. Just wait a little longer. I wonder if our prayers are creating some momentum for the Lord to come back. Just a thought this morning. As you know, this isn't our home. Hebrews 13, 14 says, This world is not our permanent home. We are longing and looking forward to a home that is yet not come. Okay, so we're looking here at these trumpets this morning. Chapter 8. Now, we skipped chapter 7. Like, well, Pastor, we didn't do chapter 7. Well, we're going to skip a few more chapters too. But we'll come back to those later. They're called parenthetical Passages, meaning they kind of are kind of included in there, and it doesn't really kind of fit right there, but it's there. But it is there. You're like, what? Well, we'll get there after a while. Right now, we're chasing down the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. That's what we're chasing down right now. So we're going to grab a hold of those things today with our hands and, and just wrestle with this and see what the Lord has in store later on. Now, as we look at chapter 8 of Revelation... I want you to refresh your memory of a story that happened way back in Exodus chapter 9. 
You remember the story where the Israelites were in Egypt and Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh said, hey, Pharaoh, let God's people go. You remember that? We see it on TV. I love the TV version, you know. I love that. And, of course, Pharaoh says what? No, I will. If you don't, there's going to be frogs. Then there's going to be flies. And then gnats. And then darkness. And then boils. And then it's almost like Pharaoh saying, bring it on. And the Lord brings it on. You see, 430 years before that, the nation of Israel was crying out to God. Deliver us, help us. Deliver us, help us. 430 years later. <laughs> did you get that? 430 years later, the Lord responds. Ah, now to us, that's forever. Right? Never Never, never give up because every prayer, every sigh, every cry to Him will be answered. When? I don't know. But I know it's going to speed His coming. Let's pray some more. Keep praying. Pray some more. So, as I was reading through Exodus again, just that the whole area, the plagues and all that, it's like Pharaoh's unyielding. And then it's like the Lord saying, there's none other than me. It's just me here that you're dealing with. And so, you're, you're going to, really? If this is me, let my kids go. Of course, the Lord used him to show us how powerful God is. And then, of course, there's always that distinction, that line of distinction. You know how it is when it rains? It's got to be raining here, but somewhere it's got to be not raining here, right? Somewhere there's a line, right? Have you, have you ever been on that line before? It's kind of a weird deal. You're like, you ever, have you ever been there before? I did one time. I'm like, this is what, this is really weird, Father, right? Have you ever been there? The land of Goshen did not experience any of those plagues. Can you imagine getting up and there's frogs everywhere? Not just one or two. We're talking frogs. Open the refrigerator. They're all popping out. Open your oven. There they are. Right? You try to sit down in the toilet. Oh, my gosh. Right? You're, you're trying to take a shower. They're, I mean, everywhere you go, frogs. And then when God relents, then they die. Have you ever seen a squished dead frog? They stink, and they're nasty, and they were stacked up in heaps all over Egypt. That's weird, right? I mean, flies. The one I don't like to work is that blood in the water. Isn't that gross? I mean, I like water. I need something right now. Water's great, right? So with that story, now look at Revelation chapter 8. 
and let's read these, this chapter. It only talks about the first four trumpets. And as we go through there, remember, remember that the Lord always responds to every prayer. And know that every trumpet that's been sounded here, even in the Word of God, every trumpet that was sounded was to give us a warning. It's like when we moved into our new building months ago up here at UPS. We moved in our new building. We're all working hard, getting everybody out to do their work. And all of a sudden, a worker that's still there, they're still there working, getting the building ready. One worker was taking his little high-rise thing up, and he hits his major water line pipe. He hit the main water line pipe going into the hub. And you never see so much water spewing. And I mean, I came out of my office, and I was like, and the alarm's going off. You know, evacuate the building, evacuate the building. And psh, water's spraying everywhere. I'm going, and the big boss came out of his office. I'm like, I'll go. He goes, so he's on his phone, and I'm like, back to my office. I'm, I'm going to work because I'm like, it says water. Everybody, evacuate the building. Evacuate. Everybody's going. I'm like, now I'm like, I got work to do, man. I'm trying, I'm trying to get in. I'm just trying to get in. And, and they're like, well, Miller boss is like, Lord, get out of the bill. Oh, I got to get out of the bill. I wasn't even responding to the alarm. Why? It's just water. Thank the Lord it was in another part of the building where there's no computer or just a bell can ring. It was just like that. But it flooded. But the thing was, there were many of us who were like, that's like the world. We know who's coming. So the Lord goes, oh, so you did hear the trumpet. Oh, I hear it, but I'm not going to respond. Oh, you're not going to respond. Well, let me show you what I can do. Check this out. Here we go. Verse 1. So when he opened the seventh seal, okay, this is kind of the last part of the seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Okay, when have you ever heard in Scripture where there's silence in heaven? There's silence? What does that mean? Man, you can have all your thoughts. You know, I'm thinking it's kind of like, because there's silence and everybody's seeing what's about to happen with these seven trumpets. I believe that this seventh seal is the seven trumpets. That's just my thought. And there's different ones that think this way. But here, it's kind of like when I walked into my house years ago on 9-11. I got done working. I worked at night, morning shift. Got out, got home, and I stepped in the door, and the wife has the TV on, and she's just sitting like, I'm like, what? She's just like, that's when the first tower got hit with the plane, right? And I walked in, and I stood there in my entryway, just dirty, all, it, just watching another one hit. For about a half an hour, just sit there, just like thinking, is it here? Is it next here? Right? Right? Do you remember that? I sound like, I don't know. Is that, is that the same kind of scenario here? Like they're all like, I don't know. But it says they were there for 30 minutes. Or is it really, I don't know. The main thing is, wow, look what's going to happen. And I saw seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer 
Haman stood at the altar, he was given much incense to offer, which were the prayers of all the saints. You see what I'm saying? These angels are very pivotal here, and they're carrying the what? The prayers of all the saints. Is it possible that that scale is tipping with all the prayers of the saints? The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. The angel took the censer filled with fire, and he hurled it to the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Verse 6. The seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Can you imagine seeing that cataclysmic event? Look at this piece of hail that hit in Gay Hill, Texas, back in, was it 32, 40-something? Look at the size of that piece of hail that came down. Can you imagine something like that coming down? That would come through your roof. And Richard would have a heyday. He'd probably be busy from 24-7 from, from, uh, trying to repair your house. Forget the ladder. Just ride it up to total devastation. Next house, it'll be totally right, wiped out. Can you imagine that hail? And there was what? There was fire mixed with blood. If you think about it, did that happen somewhere else before? Yeah, it did. In Egypt. In Exodus chapter 9. It did. Exodus 9 says this. When Moses stretched out his hand, the Lord sent thunder, hail, and lightning flash down the ground. So the Lord laid down hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it's been in the nation. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in its fields, both people, animals that beat down everything in the fields and stripped every tree. The only place it did not hail was in Goshen. Hail. In that city in Gay Hill, Texas, it said it came in about 2 p.m. Heavy clouds appeared in the west. As they slowly approached, a roaring sound was heard. Lightning accompanied it. Distant thunder. Then it says, about six miles distant from the point of observation, the clouds divided. A light-colored cloud passed out the more dense clouds toward, and they, they toured toward the east. This could but it brought a high altitude with another cloud of a pinkish cast, which moved in toward the east. A few minutes later, rain commenced. Small hailstorms fell. Each moment, larger ones fell, then periodically until it reached the size of a small hen egg. Okay, so you know what an egg looks like, right? Now it's the size of hell, of, of little hen eggs. After falling about 15 minutes, the hail, the rain ceased for about two minutes. Then it commenced again, and it continued with higher winds, and it was during this interval that the wonderfully large hailstones fell. That was the size of those things, probably the fall things. They weighed almost four pounds, eight inches in diameter. That would hurt. 
right? In Revelation, it talks about hailstones being a hundred pounds and all that. But I think, I don't know, we invent that. A <laughs> hundred pounds? You can do it. Push. In 1888, 246 people died in India from a hailstorm. In 2002, in China, 200 people were killed in the Hunan province from what? From a hailstorm. A lot of people. Right? Think of those things happening in our world today. What's he trying to do? Get someone's attention? Yeah. You know why? He still has his hands out to that generation saying what? I love you. Please come to me. Please repent. Love you guys. Then there was fire. I don't know about you, but I don't like fire that much. I like it in the, in the fire pit, yes. But fire, I remember standing in Ellisville National Park off the north side. They had the, they had the platform. Go out there and stand. And they had a fire. I'm not sure how far away it was like. 20, 30 years ago, whatever it was. And it was massive. I stood next to that fire. It was massive. And I stood there, and I looked for miles. It was just charred. And the whole north side was just burning up. It's kind of nature's way of recreating because it makes the seeds pop, and they, I mean, it grows again. But it, it, And I saw a video. I had video of it. It burned that park to the ground. And you should have seen those firemen fight those flames. It was insane. Fire purifies and fire cleanses. What is God doing to the earth? He's cleaning it up. Because a scripture in Isaiah 45 says that he created earth to be inhabited. All right, well, we know it kind of got a little dirty, right, along the way. You live in a neighborhood where they have trash? Stop, I'm thinking, now I wish I had an HOA in my neighborhood. Trash. I'm like, I'll drive by going, get your trash cleaned up. At least clean it up. The Lord's going to clean up everything that is not, that doesn't line up with Him. He's going to what? Purify. The Great Fire of 1910 burned 3 million acres in northern Idaho and western Montana. According to the Forest Hill Society, the wildfire killed 87 people. And, you know, I didn't even look at the one that's happening right now in, um, in California. I think it's still going on. You've seen pictures of it? It's scary. Matter of fact, flash up the landmass. It says it burns one-third of the landmass. Okay, there's the land, right? We got this from school, right? So one-third of it is burned up. Let's just take North and South America. That's probably about a what? About a third. Can you imagine that much devastation from that? That's amazing to me. Of course, the water is another big thing coming up. It's three-fourths of the earth. That's only a fourth of it. So there was hail. There was fire mixed with blood. So what's the lesson to be learned here over this first trumpet? Don't allow pride to creep into your life. 
Pride will destroy you. God hates pride. How do you get that, Pastor James? Well, remember Pharaoh? Very prideful. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Very prideful. Things happened. The Lord, what? Created situations to where he took care of that. When God speaks, we need to respond. Okay, the next verse, verse 8. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain of all ablaze was thrown to the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, and a third of the living creature in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Okay. A mountain ablaze. Can you, how does that work? Is it a huge meteor? The guy just kind of goes, kind of just taps it, sends it into the earth. And it hits that, I don't know where it's going to hit. Can you imagine? A third of the waters turn to blood. The marine life, a third dies. A third of the ships are destroyed. Maybe it's a burning, fiery meteor mass. It's really symbolic of a kingdom. Egypt also called the Nile River the father of life. They're like, the father of life. No, it's not. No, it's him. The Lord's like, I'll show you. Turns it to blood. He goes, I'm the father of life, not that river. See, the Lord's all about, about himself. He's a creator. He's God Almighty. He gives you choices, right? Thank God for that. But he's hoping you choose him. He's so hoping. And he keeps letting people on the earth, okay, get right. Repent. They're not going to repent. As a matter of fact, it continues to say, they did not repent. It happened. The same thing happened in Egypt. You know, Moses put the staff up, the waters turned, touched the rivers. They turn to blood. You ever heard of the red tide? You ever heard of red tide? It actually came through a little bit last year when we were down there in Florida. Fish were dying. It's some kind of an algae. I'm not real sure what it actually at all is. Some kind of microscopic something. Algaes. And all I know is it's very deadly. And so this red tide, uh, matter of fact, let me read you something. There's, um, yeah, second trumpet. In recent years, reports have come of a red tide which struck the waters of the Gulf of Mexico. We quote from an article of a reliable Christian paper published in St. Petersburg, Florida. Possibly the Lord is giving us some advance warning. The number one news of this vicinity of time was the red tide. When the red tide first struck the Gulf of Mexico, not too much was thought about it but some thought it was because of mustard gas or bombs that had been dumped into the waters of the Gulf. Some say it's caused by a scourge of jellyfish. Boy, there are tons sometimes. Remember that sometimes you go down there, like tons? They're like, I ain't going to the water today. I'm going to get stung today. And people are running out, getting all over their body. Uh, but as the menace increased, the reddish poisonous water spread along the beaches and crept into the bays along the coast, killing fish by the millions. They were unable to solve the mystery the most honest scientists gave their definite opinion as to the red tide. It was carried on the front page of their local newspaper. The article quoted from the Bible. They quoted from the Bible in the paper. And all the waters that were in the river turned to blood. Well, this is what? The Exodus account. These words were found in the seventh chapter of the book of Exodus. 
and the first written account was of the dreaded red tide. So in that magazine section of the newspaper, they detailed it and said the scientists said, they concluded that the red tide is the plague that struck against Egypt, and it's been returned in our day and has been contaminating the Gulf waters. In other words, they don't know where it's come from. That's what they're saying. The origin came from that back in Exodus chapter 7. Isn't that messed up? That's what they're saying. Scientists are saying that. The article went on to say that this was the eighth time such a tide had been seen and occurred in history. The first time was in the land of Egypt. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's turned into what? Blood. During World War II, a third of the ships of the sea from every nation involved sank to the bottom of the sea. You know, there's a lot of ships in the bottom of the sea right now. Did you know that? I didn't know that. A third of ships in WWT. You're like, I don't even know about that. Well, you know, take your history class again. <laughs> That's a lot of ships. Now, during this time, the tribulation, there's going to be limited resources. And they're not going to be able to rebuild these ships. Very limited. So, what am I to learn from this second trumpet? That God's all-powerful. God always sends warning signs. God always answers prayer. Number three, then, in verse 10, the third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The great star, maybe some meteors with some kind of gaseous vapors. The star is a spiritual ruler which has fallen morals from a high position. I wonder who that might be. Has fallen morals from a high position. It's all someone falling from heaven like lightning. I don't know. I don't know who this is. Whoever it is, he has exalted rank. It wasn't disclosed to us. And the word wormwood is really a description of that ruler's evil influence. Because, see, during that time of the tribulation, there's going to be Satan, and there's going to be the Antichrist, and there's going to be that, um, uh, the false prophet that is ruling and reigning and doing their stuff as the Lord is trying to what? Take care of business. You know the Lord's able to make bitters, uh, waters bitter and sweet. Remember when Egypt, when they came out of the land of Egypt, and they the the Israelites that came out, and they started going, and for three days they had no water. I wouldn't make it a day without water. I would be like, I need some water. I need water. Three days. They were complaining, arguing, and they came to this one spot. And there's water. Oh, and they like, oh, don't drink it. It's bitter. Mara, bitter. Because if you drink it, you get sick or maybe even die. So they could. But then Moses prayed. And the Lord said, okay. And he threw a piece of wood in there and it became drinkable. Weird, right? Weird story. Because God's like, I can do what I want to do. But the funny part of the story is that just a few miles down the road, because you know how we get complaining, right? I got to testify. Ain't nothing to eat. Dad, another refrigerator. I mean, I got no smoke. I ain't got no new shirt. I need a new shoe. I have nothing. I have nothing. 
just down the block, there were 70 palm trees and how many springs? I don't know. There were tons. In other words, you just got to hold on. You just got to hold on. Let me tell you again. You just have to hold on. How do you know, Pastor James? I'm letting you know. When I was younger, I had to hold on. I had to hold on. I owed thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to Cook's, Cook's Children's Medical Hospital. This boy did. For my million-dollar second baby. He's a million-dollar baby. He is. He spent a gajillion days the first year of his life there. And then he had five surgeries. And then all kind of, I mean, he had everything that you could think of. But you got to hold on. And I'm 54 now. And I don't owe a dime to that hospital. How? I don't know. But God made a way. Because his economy works. And when he's going to do something like this, this lets me know that God's all-powerful. And our problems are nothing. He's like, that ain't nothing. You owe $100,000? I own it all. You're going, well, I know, Father, you own all those cattle on a thousand hills or a thousand cattle on, a thousand, or on one hill. How about you just slaughter one for me? Just one, please, Father. Just give me one cow. Maybe, just maybe, you're going through this difficult time because he's dealing with something in your life, character, situation, issue. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not there. I already went through my time. I'm still going through my time. Does that make sense? I'm going through my... I'll, I'll pray with you. I'll stand with you. I'll believe with you. But I can't learn your lesson for you. If you don't learn it now, guess what? You'll be right there again in your 30s. You're right there again in your 40s. You didn't learn it out. Do it again. Why? He's trying to teach you something. He's trying to teach the earth something. You know what he's trying to tell him? Hello? It's me. <laughs> and I own it all. Oh, so you're trying to store up and live forever. Oh, man. Guess what? I'm the one to decide when you come and go. He's awesome, isn't he? That's why this morning he said to Paul, he said to me, he said to others, he said, pick up the phone. It's funny because when he talked about that main line, tell him what you want, that song, maybe some of you don't know that song. You can look it up later if you like. But I was going to end. I am ending with this. I'm going to get that last little plague. Um, my grandmother used to go, of course, she's passed on now, but she lived in way back hills of West Virginia. I mean, off the highway, two hours back, I mean, way back in the hills. We used to get sick going to her house in the car. And back there, they have a one-party line. What does that mean? I'm sure they have cell phones now, maybe. But back then, when they had the old phone on the wall, remember the old phone on the wall, the long cord, you walk around the house? Hey, everybody, the court. Remember that? You don't know. Anyway, back then, they had the one-party line. What's that mean? Okay, everybody has a phone in their house, but it's one line from miles that way. And you'd hear the phone ring. Bling, bling, bling. I'll get it. She goes, no, 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 that's Betty Joe down the street. Like, 
yeah, that's weird. And then it rings again. Oh, no, no, I go, hey, good grandma. No, 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 that, that's Bill down there. What do you mean? Every home had its own ring tone. But if you would pick it up, you could hear everybody else talking on the line. They're talking to somebody else. So a lot of times, people back there in the hills, they'd pick up, listen to gossip. Right? The main thing is, there's a main line right now to heaven. And the angels are there going, I'll take your prayers. All you got to do is pick up the line. It's always available 24-7. Ask them what you want. It's always available. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. One part of that. I'm like, Grandma, you need to get rid of that. That is not good. That's all I got. Okay. Then this last or the fourth trumpet sounds, the angel sounds it in verse 12, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, and a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Now, I didn't have time to do much more research on this. I'm sorry I ran out of time this week, because I really wanted to look at and, and look at and divulge into the thing of an eclipse. How long does usually an eclipse last? A little bit like that last week. About a what? About an hour, right? Just for a few minutes, total eclipse. But an eclipse is about an hour from where you're at. Wherever you're standing, it's about an hour. Right? And how come in Scripture there's a time when Christ was on the cross and he's dying and it went dark for how long? Three hours. And then there's other times where there was a shadow on the steps, and it went back ten steps. And there's all kinds of other things in Scripture that point toward maybe there's a situation out there in astrology and all that, and all the moon, sun, stars, and all that, that it's going to come around to that point where everything lines up and there's another darkness. Does that make sense? Matter of fact, there's a telescope down in Antarctica. And dignitaries are traveling there checking some things out. Why would you go down to Antarctica and look through this telescope? They're looking for something. I don't have all my facts yet, but that was what I was going to research because I'm going to help you with this point here, that there will be one-third of the sun, moon, and stars will be what? Dark. Did it happen in Egypt? It sure did. In Egypt, chapter in Exodus 10, Moses stretched out his hand, and the sky was so dark as far across Egypt that you could what? That it can could be felt. How do you feel darkness? It was so dark, they could feel it. That's dark. This time in, on earth is what? It's going to be a dark time. A dark time. So when God responds by all of this, and then it says here, as I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, whoa, whoa, whoa. What he's saying is, 
five, six, seven. Watch out, because here come the last three trumpets. You don't even want to be there. Whoa, whoa. We'll see what happens, maybe, if we continue this path next week. Maybe something else depends where the Lord leads here in the book of Revelation. But the main thing is God's responding. So what is my response? We just read it earlier. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, click Peter 3.11, what kind of people ought you to be? As you see everything kind of going this way, what should we be? We should be have our lives living holy and godly lives. 